Hello and welcome. I'm Eric. And I'm John. And this is the Wikipedia Chronicles. start with a random article, explore it, and then follow the links and see where it takes us. Today's starting topic is blindfold disambiguation. John, why don't you start us off? Okay, well, uh, a blindfold is a garment usually of cloth tied to one's head to cover the eyes to disable the wearer's sight. But you already know that. You're no fool. (laughs) You've probably been blindfolded a few times. However, This being a disambiguation, this leads us to a few other potential options. There's Blindfold the Film, a 1965 film starring Rock Hudson. Most likely a mystery. I would guess so. If you're talking Rock Hudson in the 60s, seems reasonable. There's Blindfold for a comic book character. Hmm. Blindfold, a song by Morchiba from their 1998 album Big Calm. Now, one thing that's interesting about that is their album is has a link, but their the band itself does not have a link. Which I that's feel is a really weird. I mean, maybe that's maybe there's such a one-hit wonder. I mean, that's a little curious right there. But anyway, uh, finishing up on this really quickly, Blindfold, an album by uh, 1999 band... Uh, Green Think. There's an EP by a band, Curve. And it's also a way to play chess. Blindfold chess is well, on that's here. That's interesting. There's a whole link to that. <laughs> yeah. How do you do that? I mean... As curious as I am, considering we just spent like an hour talking about <laughs> uh, various kinds of board games, like, yeah. I don't know if we can do that again. Like, <laughs> we're going to venture right back into that world. Yeah. I assume it's just... Maybe you have a blindfold on, you move your piece, and then you just kind of guess at where the other people are. Maybe, like, if you move your piece and you find another piece already there, you can think, oh, oh there we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wonder how that how that works. Cause, I mean, it's easy enough to figure out, yeah, okay, you can move your own pieces. You have, like, mm-hmm. most chess sets have the textured pieces. So you can yeah. kind of feel what they are by shape. But you're right. Like, I don't know how capturing would work. <laughs> Like, it would be a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I lost my pawn. <laughs> like it would wow. have to be a way of not knowing where the other player is or something. Yeah. Because otherwise, you're just playing chess normally just without being able to see your pieces. Right. So it's kind of... I don't know. It's not really normal, though, is it? Because when you're you're anticipating the person's move, usually... Mm-hmm. But in blindfold, you you can't anticipate anything. You're just kind of like, well, I think this is. A, I know this is a pretty good strategy. Whenever I yeah. can't, whenever I can see, so maybe I should just try this again. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm interested mostly in the Morchiba album. Yeah, and the comic true. book character is comics. Cool. Yeah. I don't know what I was going for with that. Okay, so comics or big calm? Hmm. I am really curious, but I mean, it does seem as though the majority of the bands that are mentioned on this disambiguation don't have any uh, links to them directly. That's true. But those are also... Their albums are called Blindfold. Right. Hmm. So they have links. There must be some sort of disambiguation rule where if you mention an <laughs> album or a song of a band in disambiguation, you've got to use only the album link. <laughs> so that's what it is on here. Well, we haven't talked about music in a while. We really haven't, so no. perhaps we can go over to Big Calm. I believe the last time we talked about music was when we uh, stumbled into... Well, of course, we had our 
uh, podcast with the prosecuted banderists if you want to <laughs> say that something about music. But then we also had that weird one where we stumbled across that weird Christian music rap oh, yeah. studio. And then that there's had, like, also two artists. Um, typo negative. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked yeah. about typo negative on here for a little bit. That was our depression episode, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was really, that makes <laughs> sense. Typo negative falls right, right into that. <laughs> Let us down a dark rabbit hole that wow. ended in LSD. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely one of our bands. darker episodes. <laughs> Everything just went downhill. Okay, well, thankfully, the Big Calm album page has a link to the band. So that's nice. Yeah, and this uh, honestly seems pretty f- well flushed out. There's mm-hmm. a good track listing, a picture. It's a band that I guess people would have known about at one time <laughs> in uh, Indochina. Yeah, Indochina Records is the label. Hmm. I don't know if that means they're from Indochina or. <laughs> okay, well, it's the second album by Morchiba. It says the music that we hear, a song title. Included on special edition versions of the album is a reworking of Moog Island from Morchiba's first album, Who Can You Trust? Now, I feel like I've heard of Moog Island before. That sounds familiar. We can go to the album page for Who Can You Trust, their first album, which included that song, and see if there isn't a link for it there. Hmm. But, unfortunately, there isn't a link to it here. Which you would think if it was, you know, <laughs> noteworthy enough for them to remaster it and re- play around with it more, you, they would, you would think it would be included. But. Hmm. Um, let's see what else is down here. There's some trivia about the album. The album cover was inspired by 1996 Ray Conniff compilation Hi-Fi Companion. Let me just pop over. Oh, okay. Oh, they have a link to like that. that album cover. And yes, it is very, very similar. It is like a woman laying back on a chair. And there's a coffee table. And then another chair. And some kind of air conditioning unit on the wall. Where things are sat upon. But yeah. Oh, interestingly enough, also in the trivia, the song The Sea was used as the theme tune for the UK reality TV show Shipwrecked in a set of adverts for TDT TV. <laughs> and in the Thomas Cook advertisements starring Jamie and Lewis Redknapp. It was also used in a 1998 episode of the original Top Gear Hmm. when James May was reviewing the Rover 75. I've watched that review. I've heard this band's music. Wow. Completely inadvertently. We found an obscure band, and you've heard them. Yep. I've heard their songs. And I I possibly have also heard them. The jury's still out on that one. I mean, we we can do a little bit more investigation here into that and see if we can't find that out. Oh, and another song was used in a Daria episode. Oh, shoot. I've watched all of Daria. I've definitely heard that then. Hmm. This is interesting. I guess their music, even though I did hear it, wasn't particularly to my taste or something because I didn't really <laughs> looked into it further. I wasn't watching Top Gear and I was like, hmm, yeah, that song. I really <laughs> want to listen to more like that. But it's been around us. Alright, well, let's investigate their first album, Who Can You Trust? Sounds good to me. From 1996. Whoa, that is a trippy album cover. Oof, yeah. Which, by the way, is appropriate because the genre of this band is trip hop. <laughs> Seems early for trip hop, but maybe I'm wrong on that. I mean, they could have just been early. Um starters of that genre but I don't know no it's pretty clearly early on there because uh, they are referencing the only other band I've seen referenced in these articles is Porter's Head which pretty much invented trip hop mm. if I recall correctly or at least they were the ones that really capitalized 
on it. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they're getting comparisons to them kind of indicates to me that, yeah, this is probably pretty early on. Mm. Man, are there a lot of rev- reviews in this article. I don't think I've seen an album have this many like snippets of reviews. Yeah. Usually you see below the picture and stuff, like various review scores, and that's normal. But this literally has five different sentences, excerpts from various reviews from various publications, which mm-hmm. is a little odd. Just pop over here and look up Moog Island on YouTube just to see if I yeah just recognize for this. listeners' or reference. If I'm going crazy. And we're gonna have to bounce outside of Wikipedia here for a minute. And they treat you like a child. So I don't think I have heard that song. Jesus Christ, that was relaxing. <laughs> that was very too relaxing. relaxing. Yeah, that's very, very like oceany. Yeah, yeah. Just very like you're sitting watching a body of water do mm-hmm. some like jiving, some waving back and forth. There are lots of little like blips and blops that sound like yeah. water bubbles and things. Little splashes and laps up on the shore side. Nothing very aggressive, just mm-hmm. an absolute lullaby as far as anything with the <laughs> word trip is concerned. Yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah, I like it. Oh, it was soothing. I mean, it was quite well done for what it was. This album seems to hold some really high reviews, though, and it uh, has enough notoriety for Pitchfork Media to have reviewed it. out of 10 for Hmm. this album. It's pretty good. It actually is decent, yeah. And that was back when Pitchfork was a real, real stickler, too. (laughs) Well, do you want to go into the band itself? I'm a little bit curious about what became of them, if I'm honest. I I really want to know if they ever peaked or Mm -hmm. if they had more success. I kind of want to find out. Alright, let's do this. Aha, they are still active, and they are comprised of three members. Sky Edwards is the soothing female vocalist we have heard on the track we just listened to, which I am guessing we're going to link to on the webpage. I mean, it's not in Wikipedia, but we listened to it. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe maybe we'll throw it in there. Who knows? Uh, And, I mean, we're on the internet. You found us on the internet. Uh, I mean, just, you know, just search it. If we don't, if we feel like being lazy, it doesn't mean you don't don't have to be lazy. You can just search for Moog Island by Morchiba. Anyhow, it's comprised of Sky Edwards and her brothers, Paul and Ross Godfrey. They're still active. They've been recording together since 1995. And two of their albums have reached the United Kingdom top ten. Hmm. Well, they are based out of London. That makes sense, then. Yeah, that's impressive that they're still going. Wow. Even though they're all, like, family members, the lead vocalist, Sky Edwards, she left the band in 2003, and the brothers were just kind of like, well, now what do you do? They kept going, and they tried various other singers until 2007 when she finally came back and was like, all right, fine, I'll continue being the vocalist, whatever. (laughs) This is here, originally from Hythe, Kent. The Godfrey brothers moved to London when they were in their late teens. Where, what is, what is Kent? <laughs> Where is Kent? Kent is in the United Kingdom. I ah. believe it is slightly north of London, but I could be wrong. Then where's Hythe? Hythe is it's in, in Kent. Hythe is in Kent. <laughs> Kent is in... Kent's a county. Kent's a shire. County, okay. Yeah. Okay. And it is a little bit north of London. I think if you look at this map of uh, Kent here, and you mm-hmm. see Hythe is on the coast, like, London is down a bit from there. Okay. Or maybe it's up a bit. It's close to London. 
at some place around London, like most of Britain, some place close to London. <laughs> yeah, living in the United States and in Pennsylvania, place like England, London's probably close to just about every town in there. I think, I mean, uh, there was one TV show I watched where they had a drive from London to Edinburgh, and the guy did it in like seven or eight hours. Mm. And Edinburgh and London are kind of two of the furthest apart cities mm. in the United Kingdom. So if that's all the longer it takes, then yeah. it's not that big of a place. It's about, it's a little larger than Pennsylvania, of course. Yeah, just but a it's little not, bit. Not huge, mm. larger. It's maybe Pennsylvania plus Ohio. Yeah, I would say it's about that. Okay, well, back to Morchiba here. Uh, apparently, the brothers were introduced to Sky Edwards at a party. Oh, so they're not family. They the brothers. The brothers are, are family. Brothers. Yeah. They yeah they met her at a party in 1994, and then they became a band and started recording a year later. And then they were signed to China Records in 1995. And then they released that Who Can You Trust album in April. So it was like less than six months after, or maybe it was only six months. I don't know. So half a year after they're officially signed, they released their first album. That's pretty quick. And it was well received so well received that they went on to have mainstream success namely with the album that we were talking about before hmm. Big Calm though the uh, article would not let on that it had ever placed on the charts <laughs> uh, it apparently was very uh, successful along with its uh, successor Fragments of Freedom the album released in the year 2000 hmm. and their fourth album Charango was released in 2002. But for some reason, they decided to start kind of downplaying the vocalist Sky Edwards' role Mm. a little bit, which may have led to her displeasure in why she left in 2003, though it doesn't explicitly say that. One can kind of surmise that, like, maybe the brothers, the DJ brothers, took it too far, decided that, you know, we should uh, lessen her role and then ended up pissing her off, and mm. then she uh, just kind of dropped out. Felt underappreciated, so left. <laughs> well, it, down here under Split... Ah, here we go. By the end of 2003, the brothers split with Edwards, citing creative and personal differences. And after the split, uh, Sky Edwards was under the impression that the band just stopped being... Aha, uh-huh, jokes on her... <laughs> That's the great thing about bands. You can replace all the members and you can't keep them down. That's true. If you work your legalities out just <laughs> right, you can keep right on going as between the Barry to me or Dill- the Dillinger <laughs> escape plan until, you know, kingdom come, really. Mm-hmm. It never has to end. Even if people really, really <laughs> want you to stop. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, just replace one band member every album until you have a completely different lineup and... Oh man, that's just a bad idea. <laughs> oh, they apparently released a live DVD, which a lot of bands seemed to start doing around the 2000s. Oh, here we go. Um, one of their songs, Never an Easy Way, was used in the opening sequence of the episode Passion on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, there is a relatively mainstream reference. Yeah. And another song was featured in the first season of the show Hung. Oh man, I love that show. And it was even included on the soundtrack. And... Uh, one of their songs was covered by a top five contestant of American Idol season 10. Oh. So that was like just this past season Not probably. too long ago, yeah. I mean, they're on season 12, 13 now? So it wasn't too long. Know. Yeah, they're up, they're up there, so. But it's not too far from 10. Yeah. And the recording, that recording, the cover, I guess, was used 
in the show's Ford commercial. Hmm. And another song was used as a source music for the film Traffic. So this band has had its fair share of uh, mainstream media incorporation. Mm-hmm. People like using their stuff. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it's good soundtrack music. Oh, yeah. It's weird, though. They've never really peaked in the United States at all. Um, their top album position on the charts in the United States is 113 for their third album, Fragments of Freedom, from the year 2000. Hmm. Meanwhile, though, that's also their top-ranking UK album, and in the UK, it was number six. <laughs> in Italy, it was three. Uh, whoa. What's, what's N-O? Huh? What's N-O as a country? Like, N-O? N-O? Yeah. Norway? Yeah, there we go. That's a good, that's a good option. Sure, Norway. <laughs> Norway. They have uh, number seven on the charts for Norway for that album. So they have a fair amount of mainstream success in pretty much every significant music market except the United States. Yeah. I mean, that's the only album that ranks at all. Yeah, but here. And then in everything else in the UK, at least, charts. And it's almost like it's up there in Italy. I wonder... Like, huge. <laughs> Their albums that were big were really big in Italy. Like, they were huge in Italy. And then they're... Um, album 2005 album the antidote was really popular in france their most popular french album interesting how these things fluctuate between countries (laughs) it's really fascinating i don't get it and again like uh there's a u.s dance chart as well and as far as that goes their most recent album has gotten them up to the number eight spot on the u.s dance chart Meanwhile, their ratings in other countries have continued to plummet. Uh, their most recent album is very low on the charts in the United Kingdom at 99. The French don't really like it at 25. <laughs> the Italians really don't like it at 75. So it's uh, kind of odd to so see So the stuff theory. that we like more, apparently the Italians did not like that. And I've vice actually, versa. I've actually heard about this. There's a reason for this. Uh, there's a phenomenon, which I don't think we'll be able to get to based on this limited <laughs> data set, but there is a phenomenon where based on how um, people grew up listening to the radio, since they use different frequencies to broadcast over there, mm-hmm. people end up getting like more acute ears for different tones and notes mm. and frequencies. So in the United States, we will think that one thing sounds better, and then in Europe, everybody there will pretty much be of the same opinion that mm. something else that's of a different like scale or note set sounds better. Like it's, it actually helped shape sonic opinion hmm. because of the kinds of tones and things they were used to hearing in the background subliminally, subliminally all of the time. I think uh, Chris Orr actually taught taught me that one time. He was explaining <laughs> how he had learned that in one of his music courses. It was pretty cool. interesting. I don't know. I really wish I knew the name of the phenomenon because I would keep an eye <laughs> out for it and see if we could get there at some point. But there's also a singles chart. Oh yeah, here we go. And the highest, well, okay, the second highest ranking song is actually in the U.S. from their album Chirango. The song Otherwise ranked number five on the U.S. dance chart. No other song ranked in the U.S. dance chart. (laughs) And the only other countries that that song ranked in was Switzerland and the U.K. But they were really low. That's interesting. There's also a song, one that finally, by the way, has a link um, (laughs) called Rome Wasn't Built in a Day. The song's title, Rome Wasn't Built in a Day, would be like, okay, well, great. That's from Fragments of Freedom. Fragments of Freedom, as I had just heard from Eric and John no more than two minutes ago, was very highly ranked on the Italian charts. And this mm-hmm. has a Rome reference right in it. Yeah. That means this is going to chart really well. No. doesn't chart well in Italy at all. <laughs> Ends up having the number two spot, though, in New Zealand, <laughs> of all places. Um... It men charts terribly in other places. 
uh, Ireland, UK, and Switzerland, for example. And then uh, NLD. I don't know what NLD is. Netherlands? Netherlands yeah, makes probably. sense. There's an N, there's an L, there's a D in there. It's probably the Netherlands. Could also be New Zealand, even though NZ is also New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure NZ is definitely New Zealand. <laughs> but NLD, it's got to be Netherlands. N-land. There's nothing else I can think. Yeah. But yeah. Well, we've come this far and we finally found a song link. So do you want to try going to the song? I mean, we did get a pretty good taste of what they're kind of like earlier on. And I think that based on the uh, what it says of the band name here, that the band name Morchiba comes from the initials M-O-R, indicating middle of the road, and Chiba, a slang term for cannabis, we can pretty well <laughs> surmise what the rest of their music might sound like. True. Very mellow, very relaxing. That's kind of their jam. Now, as far as where we should go from here is concerned, though, there are a ton of options, a ton in this article. We can go even to, like, George Gershwin from here because of how they, uh, uh, this band, Morchiba, eventually got around to covering the song Summertime from George Gershwin's timeless classic uh, Porgy and Bess. Hmm. It's a lot of bands, but I don't know if... We should stay with, you know, obscure bands. Yeah, they'll definitely be new to us. If we had British listeners, maybe it would be a different story. (laughs) Because they would just be enraged at the fact that we hadn't heard of everything that they had grown (laughs) up with. There's a link to soul music. We go to down tempo. Or adult (laughs) contemporary. Ooh, fun. Mm. It sounds so uh, (laughs) fun. <laughs> Adult contemporary is perhaps the most unfortunately named genre. <laughs> like, if you look at it, adult contemporary, wow. You mean you have to be a grown up who's alive now to like this? <laughs> How boring. I don't want to affiliate myself with that image. That's dumb. <laughs> Why would I want that? How do they even sell that kind of music? How is Chicago still a band? <laughs> Nobody's really sure. We can also go to band. Just There's a link to just band here. What? Why? We could also go to AIDS. <laughs> There's a link to the uh, human immune virus and AIDS in this article. <laughs> Ooh, we could go to MySpace. Oh, that's a that's tempting. <laughs> a nice trip down memory lane. They tried so hard, but uh, just couldn't keep it going. I mean, it is still going, but well, it's not good. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> It's going, but nobody's there. No, nobody's there. They just keep giving us all new accounts, and nobody's there to be like, hmm, I wonder what my old MySpace account looks like, because you don't. You don't (laughs) care what your old MySpace account looks like. You're not going to like that. (laughs) We also have links, of course, to Hung, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Traffic for the uh, trivia. Mm. And there's a link to pretty much every one of these single, or every one of these charts. Oh, yeah. How about that? So we can actually go see how they're ranked and what's maybe popular in them right now. Mm-hmm. Let's see what else is in the UK was popular. Or we could go to French people. <laughs> there, is an, there is a link explicitly to the French, yes. <laughs> Not France, but French people. Got it. The French. <laughs> I don't know. What are you thinking? I kind of like the idea about MySpace a mm. lot. I kind of just <laughs> want to see what the article says about, namely its demise. Oh, uh, yeah. I want to see if Wikipedia has acknowledged that MySpace is a dead scene yet. <laughs> well, let's, let's do it. Let's go to MySpace. All right. The article. Let's never go to the actual website. Oh, that's hideous. <laughs> the picture. They've, like, renovated it beyond recognition. Uh. What is that? This is MySpace. No, it's not. I was on MySpace whenever MySpace was MySpace. <laughs> now it's mostly just your space, because I never deleted it. Well, that's weird. It is partially owned by Justin Timberlake. That's ironic, g- given that <laughs> his role in the movie The Social Network. <laughs> that is true. It was founded in 2003. Obviously, Tom Anderson, the famous guy turning around in his chair picture that 
greeted every single person. That is your selfie. <laughs> like, I don't know if maybe you just progressed on the art of the selfie by now so much that that looks like a stupid idea for a picture, but it's just a really bad selfie. <laughs> okay, so it was acquired by News Corporation in July 2005. That would have been still kind of at the height of its Yeah, popularity. still in high school, back when the Facebook was uh, more for college <laughs> kids. And yeah. I remember for a time, whenever I first got my account, I couldn't get my account until Bloomsburg, uh, my alma mater for college, <laughs> sent me my .edu address uh, for email. And then I was able to sign up, but not a second before. Yeah. I, I was invited by somebody to Facebook, mm-hmm. and then I that's when I got it. Oh, that's right. They used to have the invitation mm-hmm. system, too. Yep. People that had, were in college could get the account, and then they can send out invites to people that weren't in college. What a day that was. Whoopee. Yay. <laughs> Social media. It was really a privilege back then, though. Like, I can't describe to anybody of a future generation what it was like to be kind of left out in the cold from that kind of thing, <laughs> knowing that all these other people were networking and like talking oh, yeah. to each other back and forth and they were doing it in this exclusive club format and that I wasn't invited and then that <laughs> moment when you are invited is like whoa look at all this <laughs> there's all this stuff going on and I can I can talk with people mm-hmm. and this is really great and now it's just such an annoyance and a bother <laughs> that you're just kind of like how did I ever think that why did they think yeah. this was a good idea <laughs> I probably thought it was a good idea because at one point it was geared entirely towards people my age and That's I true. had nobody else bothering about anything else <laughs> <laughs> it's almost as though they failed in their business model anyway <laughs> MySpace um, it says from 2005 until 2008 it was the largest networking social networking site in the world um, I didn't think it had that, that was long of a range. Three years, yeah. yeah. And then in June 2006, it surpassed Google as the most visited website in the United States. What? Wow, <laughs> MySpace was really big, huh? I don't know how that would work. I don't either. Because I feel like, I don't know. I think, how? <laughs> I think we have kind of a biased opinion of it. Where we went to high school, mm-hmm. uh, we had Zanga. And That's I know true. that I had more friends on Zanga than I ever, ever had on MySpace. Mm-hmm. And pretty much after Zanga was through in popularity, everybody yeah. transitioned immediately to Facebook. Like, MySpace was kind of like the Twitter <laughs> of today. Like, it was, yeah. uh, it was sort of optional. Yeah. You didn't need to have it to be in the know, and so nobody mm-hmm. ever used it. Plus, it was, like, littered with just, like, weird accounts and people commenting on things and messaging and so many spam accounts on myspace there were some of those on zanga but it was harder to do you had to like know the people (laughs) for them to be able to find out your customized url go to your blog and then troll you but myspace was it was where bots came from (laughs) like the first spam accounts that were automated sentries basically Mm -hmm. came from myspace not only that, but MySpace had all of those annoying HTML widgets. Oh, yeah. And, like, people could just, like, throw random games into the middle <laughs> of their pages or make you or and blast music at you yeah. as soon as you got to their page. Have stupid <laughs> HTML snowflakes. Yeah, there's down. all sorts of, like, weird GIFs all over the place. Oh, God. It was, it, was, it was horrifying. Some of the pages you went to were just kind of like, wow, this Some is, like, the trailer park of MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> this is not great. Some of the... What uh, pages you would go to looked exactly like a blingy picture. Yeah, yeah. Basically, <laughs> they. But back then it wasn't ironic. Back yeah. then it was deliberate, and that was the sad part. Like nobody understood how to make it. Like it wasn't a funny thing back then. Back then it was just like sad. You were yeah. sad for them. But yeah, in 2008, it was finally overtaken by Facebook in unique number of unique worldwide visitors. But it didn't surpass. MySpace until May 2009, which is interesting Hmm. because that's something that's kind of indicative to me that Facebook caught on more in Europe Mm -hmm. before it caught on here. Wow. So as of May 2014, MySpace is ranked 982 by total web traffic, 392 in the United States. That's pretty low. So basically, 
what we're seeing here is sort of a shopping mall phenomenon, <laughs> if you will. Like, the old mall that's really huge, mm-hmm. but it's completely empty across the road that has no, th- no nobody and nothing in it. <laughs> that's my space. And then there's this other mall that's a little bit newer, not maybe as big and mm-hmm. maybe a lot simpler in layout, but it's way more popular, and that's where everybody's at doing everything. Mm-hmm. But you can go to the old mall anytime you want to. It's just that nobody's going to be there. <laughs> You're not going to see anybody or anything. Yeah. And those numbers that I just mentioned, right? they dropped dramatically in the course of less than a year. Oh. Whereas the total web traffic was 982 in 2014. Mm-hmm. By February 2015, it was 1594. Wow. And then the United States was even more dramatic of a drop, whereas 392 in 2014, 1296 in 2015. That's less than a year. Those numbers that you said the first time were from May of 2014, and then the numbers that placed MySpace in the thousands... (laughs) Of uh, websites visited by uh, by volume is only in February of this year. Yeah, that's nuts. That's a crazy <laughs> fallout for MySpace. I oh, can't blame. I, I I I don't see that that being. I actually think those are really high numbers, <laughs> considering how often I visit MySpace. Yeah, but. I mean, I'm just curious as to when they'll finally just end it and discontinue the domain name. I, I don't know. Somebody took, has to keep paying for it. Yeah, Justin Timberlake. I guess he has enough money to just be like, ah, I can eh. pay a couple hundred bucks every couple years. It's probably, the crazy thing is, it's probably still making money. Yeah. Because if people aren't using it, then they don't need to have as much fueling it. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have to have that, then they don't have to expend as much cost to keep it up. That's true. At least you would hope not, otherwise it's really <laughs> just dying. Yeah. Oh, look, actually, you can see the revenue. Oh, it's a 2011 estimate. Well, (laughs) (laughs) that's not a very good estimate then, is it? MySpace was actually really important for those few years that it was popular. Yes. Because it it was mostly, mostly important for bands, especially ones that weren't, like, didn't have a name yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah, they could just put all their stuff or put some songs up on MySpace and then send the links out, and then you know, I know a couple of bands that I'm sure more than a couple got discovered through MySpace just putting their music up there. Yeah, there were quite a few, uh, and that was also because it was before it didn't quite predate YouTube, I don't think, but nobody had the bandwidth to upload whole videos <laughs> of their bands playing songs to YouTube. So and Yeah, they also had caps on YouTube at the time. Right. Limited what you could put up there. Exactly. You could only put on videos of a certain length. So bands had no real recourse. And bands like the, I think My Chemical Romance, for example, mm. they were one of the ones that put their first couple of songs up on MySpace, and that was entirely how they became mm. successful for their first couple of albums. Like, they weren't signed. Yeah. They just put their songs on MySpace, and everybody was like, okay, yeah, this. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they got a record deal, and they were successful. Oh, here, I actually found a little short list of people who have gained... Um, fame through MySpace. Lily Allen, Owl City, Hollywood Undead, Sean Kingston, Arctic Monkeys, and Drop Dead Gorgeous. Oh, is that where Hollywood Undead came from? <laughs> well, not that I want to put Hollywood Undead down, but I'm going to say this with a certain intonation and say, well, that makes sense. <laughs> and just kind of let you figure out what my opinion on Hollywood Undead is from there. <laughs> So it says uh, um, the like decline started in 2008 when it, oh, Facebook finally started taking over. Um, and then it says since then MySpace has been has seen a continuing loss of membership, and I feel like I don't know. I wouldn't have guessed there would be a loss of membership because 
Nobody I, goes in and deletes their account. Yeah, I never, I never like if a site becomes unpopular and you know it's like, oh well, I'm not going to use that site anymore. I don't like delete my account right. and leave. I mean, I just kind of leave it as a wasteland. I wonder if that statistic is for just like active membership as opposed to mm. uh, for. You know, uh, just membership in general. But right, I maybe mean, they count like login yeah. dates or something. Probably something like that. But it'd be weird for them to just kind of say, nope, we don't have members anymore. <laughs> I still have a MySpace, I'm sure. I oh, yeah. It, but I haven't been to it in years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in 2013, they released um, or they, they relaunched the website and opened it with like a a beta phase but obviously that didn't take I think I remember visiting MySpace for some reason around that yeah, time yeah I, I think it was like I that saw was, in the news that some, yeah. or something I saw it somewhere that they were like relaunching it or redesigning it or something and I was like oh okay I went over and I was like yeah whatever it's still <laughs> it's still not something <laughs> I would use I'm not going to log in again yeah nope. And it seems as though the critics agree. The Guardian's Amanda Hop... Hole Punch? Hole Punch? Hole Punch? Hole Punch. <laughs> yeah, that's how you say that. The Guardian's Amanda Hole Punch was less enthusiastic about the redesign and concluded that clever design and useful functionalities do not a successful social network make. And that is true, because MySpace was always more useful. MySpace was ultimately way more customizable than the Facebook will ever be. The Facebook is like buying an Apple product. You submit to a certain sort of technological dictatorship in exchange for convenience and ease of access and simplicity. You can't add anything or take anything away from your experience there. It is what it is, and it's dictated by somebody outside of you. And you secretly love that. (laughs) You may complain when it changes, but ultimately, you know that everybody else is in the same boat with you. And that's what being in a social community is about. It's not having that freedom to do what you want. It's about (laughs) all being on the same page. Yeah. Sucks, but there's the reality (laughs) for you. When it comes to a social networking website, Facebook ultimately has that, Mm -hmm. you know, under thumb. Yeah. I wonder if it would be possible for any sort of new social networking site to overtake Facebook and become the most popular. Let me answer that question for you. No. (laughs) And here's why I believe this. I was part of a beta for one. It was around this time last year. There was a website by the name of LO. Hey, I remember. I got an invite yeah, to that. Yeah, And then vaguely. I started my account. Right. I and never went back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what a surprise. There it is. And and that was that was strange. I don't know if it wasn't because if, if it was because it didn't have the friendly blue and white that we were all accustomed to. It was mm. all it was more black and white sites, I recall. Or if it was that really ugly courier font that they insisted mm. on using for everything. But at the end of the day, they tried to get this thing off of the ground under the pretense that it was some sort of hipster Facebook where mm-hmm. they uh, were doing it ethically and they weren't a corporation and they weren't <laughs> going to put out ads or sell your information to the government, which, I mean, even if Facebook didn't sell the information <laughs> to the government, the government owns the internet. They made it. The yeah. army made the internet. We've established <laughs> that on a previous podcast. Um, the, they, they were going to get your data anyway if they wanted yeah. Um So... It was one of those things where Ella was a good idea. It had, it had, I guess, people who thought that they were going to do good things, and nobody cared for more than like two or three weeks. <laughs> See, I think at this point, you cannot do an invitation phase of a new social networking site because it worked well for Facebook because there wasn't really much else out there. Right. And to have people be a part of this cool thing that you couldn't get to unless you were invited was awesome. But then it got so large that they, you know, put out, you know, like open registration. You can just make a new account whenever. Right. So like now if anybody can just make an account on Facebook, there's millions and millions of people on there. If you have a website where you're, it's invite only. Mm Mm-hmm. There's what hundred 
thousand people on there. On Ello or yeah. Yeah, like on Ello or something. Like, okay, so there's only this many people. I don't want to be there unless I have all of my friends here. Exactly. Why? Like, if so, if you're gonna start a new website like that, it needs to be. It needs to just be like free for all. Yep. Let anybody in. So that all of your friends can come and join and be a part of it. And then you can be like, oh, okay, cool. Now all of the people that I know and interact with are here. Right. Because there was this brief time in, in the internet's history where I think it was okay <laughs> to find an internet friend. Mm-hmm. Like you would go and you would go onto a website and be like, I'm okay with talking with you because of such and such of an experience we shared like together. internet on, on forums and yeah, stuff like that. forums, exactly. But... I think that time is largely over, and now what people, at least our age, want is a better medium with which to socially network. And if yeah. you at all inhibit our ability to network with people we already know in real life <laughs> by way of an invitation system or anything else, mm-hmm. your idea is immediately bunk because we can go <laughs> right to Facebook and say, well, screw you because Facebook's right over here and it'll do everything yeah. I want. And it'll do it right now. And it'll do it for everyone. And I don't have to wait for new invites. Yeah. I can just go. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. The free-for-all, mark, that, that's it. Yeah. That's, that's the that's only th- option. Because I think that's possibly what also happened to Google's attempt. Because they had that invitation phase. Yep. And, yeah, it's just like if you can't herd everybody over at once, it's not going to happen. That was more like a Google <laughs> negative, because I mean that was a joke. If you ever even use the Google social network service, which is called Google Plus, <laughs> um, but I'm not expecting you to have known that because it was so <laughs> stupid and meaningless that yeah. uh, really wasn't really wasn't a good joke. I apologize. I rescind. I rescind my joke. That was that was dumb. I'm I'm out. <laughs> And like it still exists. Google Plus is out there. You can still plus things and stuff, but there's just nobody there. Why would you? Like, if you really wanted to, like, I feel like there is an outlet for these sites. There's an outlet for MySpace, for Ello, mm-hmm. for Google Plus, and it's this. It's if you have something that you absolutely need to share with someone, mm-hmm. but you're really, really, really embarrassed about it deep down. <laughs> then you can go to any of these sites and feel as though you've accomplished what you set out to do without ever having any threat of being discovered for liking what you just proclaimed to like. That's the only function it might serve. And even then, in most cases, I'm just kind of like, well, it's still the internet. I don't want to put it out there. And I just seem like, nope, not going to say anything. (laughs) (laughs) Just going to suck it up. And I, I guess at this point, it's just like, no matter how cool or how interesting your social networking site is myspace is there it's easy Mm. even if you don't like all the features even if you wish there was other stuff like you know it's just that's what it is yeah it's still around but it's uh it's less it's less customizable than it used to be they did take away all the annoying customizable features on myspace Mm. now according to the article in in the 2013 redesign the stupid snowflake things, they're gone. <laughs> Any sort of like weird HTML stuff that you can <laughs> usually use for widgets or whatever on the page, they're out, they're gone. They've pretty well finished making it like Facebook, mm. sort of. But it's never going to be as good, and that's exactly the problem. Yeah. I also find it funny that um, Tom Anderson, the um, one of the founders who is the famous picture of Facebook, the first friend that you get there. Oh, MySpace. Yeah, MySpace. That's... Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, but he is, like, on Facebook now, and that's what? his main... <laughs> you know, like, you can, um, I don't know, I guess Contact subscribe you? to his... Really? Like... <laughs> whatever's like you know are you serious like he has he has like a facebook page or something like not like a friend right not like a profile or whatever but like Like a a celebrity page yeah and he like posts updates about where stuff he does and does he still have a stupid friggin chair selfie 
I'm not sure about go. that. I gotta go. Tom Anderson, right? Yep. Alright. I'm going to Facebook. Going off book. On Facebook. <laughs> oh, yep. It's still that picture. God damn it. <laughs> I'm so mad. <laughs> that face. Him stand, that sitting cheeky, in front of the whiteboard. That cheeky whiteboard chair <laughs> turn selfie. Oh my god, it's still such a low resolution too. If you click on it, it doesn't get any bigger. It's the same. Oh my word, I'm so... Ah. Well, it's a good thing we've been recording for an hour. I'm too angry now. We have to end. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, still updates and... He's just there to he's incite. Just, he's though. just on Facebook now. Even he's made the move. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's about all there is to say about MySpace. Yeah. Yeah. There. It better be. Freaking Tom. <laughs> well, there you have it. From blindfold disambiguation to MySpace. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you enjoyed it. Go to facebook.com slash TWC podcast and give us a like and follow and head over to iTunes and rate and review us. And then you can also find new episodes at twc.erictoribio.com. And as always, I'll thank Louis Armstrong for our theme song. And for today's outro song, I would like to thank Dick Justice. <laughs> that's it. I couldn't. I couldn't help. It. I tried to together. But that's the guy's name. I don't make the names. I just find the songs. Right. And his song name is Cocaine. If you were wondering, <laughs> it's gold. Oh, no. uh, it's pure gold. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so thanks again for joining us. I was Eric. And I was John. And this was the Wikipedia Chronicles. Oh, that was unprofessional. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, oh we forgot the true fact. Uh, uh, no, how do we, can we edit that in later, or do we have to go back? Um, or can we just forget it? Uh, I don't know if anybody will notice. <laughs> that is we didn't say that. <laughs> Let's try to skip a week without all right. it and see if anybody says anything. Okay, all right. Unless I keep all this in, they might say something. Unless the, then they might. Then or, they may. Or they won't say anything because nobody ever says anything. That's true. <laughs> I'm simply wild about my good cocaine.